1: you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger,
2: for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio,
3: wherever you can get your podcasts.
1: Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This
1: is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, but alongside Thomas Carinante, the Yankees coaching staff purge has begun. Marcus Timms, gone. Phil Nevin, gone. PJ Pilater gone. Aaron Boone, walking around the locker room looking for his next compatriot. Apparently still here, though his future is up in the air. Do we believe that? I personally don't. We'll get into it. Meanwhile, while the Yankees dance around with Aaron Boone, whose best accomplishment probably in four years is winning 13 straight games at the middle end of the 2021 season, the St. Louis Cardinals fired Mike Schilt, who just won 17 and was the hottest manager in baseball entering October. Somehow, one game and done to the Dodgers, and he is gone. Clash of philosophy with the front office. Does that open things up for the Yankees at all? A lot of interesting jobs on the market for Aaron Boone to not interview for if he gets dismissed. We'll break it all down for you. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, happy Friday. Unhappy, in fact, the Red Sox-Astros ALCS starts tonight. It feels gross. Lance McCullers Jr. not pitching in any of these games. Out for the entire ALCS with a four, bleh, forearm injury. I hate everything. I don't even want to say forearm out loud. But we do have actual Yankees news to talk about. I'll be talking about Yankees use today. Red Sox
3: are out of my mouth until there's a more definitive result. Every time I yep. say something about them, the opposite happens. So I'm going to say nothing, or maybe I'll just start rooting for them and then they'll lose. I don't know.
1: Um, either way, I mean, I'm look, sick of there are positives. Them. There are positives to them winning the ALCS, namely that the Astros will not, and the yes. NL teams have good pitching, and the Dodgers are a 106 win team. There are, you know, it, uh, just because we've never seen the Red Sox lose a World Series ever. Ever in our lives. We've yet to see that. We've seen them not win the World Series, but we've never seen them lose a World Series. It's true. Fun fact. Think about it. It um, is true. Just because we've never seen it doesn't mean it's it's not possible. But that will be the last time we talk about the Red Sox today. It is. Um,
3: more important things uh, in Yankee land. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on with this coaching situation. I, I'm sure you feel the same way. So we have three assistants gone, one of whom was. So first of all, another thing to uh, kind of uh, put into perspective here. Josh Bard was the bench coach that Boone brought on when he was first hired in 2018. Yes, Yankees dismissed him and Larry Rothschild, I believe, in 2019.
1: Um, and then, uh, right, that was Bard, 2019. Bard apparently left to pursue a job closer to home. I don't really know how that happened, but Aaron that Boone picked he handpicked Josh Bard to be his bench coach doesn't have him anymore. So Carlos Mendoza is
3: now in that. So here was the thing. So, yes, I'm sorry. Bard left, but the Yankees chose the bench coach. Aaron Boone did not choose Carlos Mendoza. No. Um, So now you have a situation where Bard leaves and Boone does not have the power to choose his new bench coach, which was his handpicked selection. And his second selection for third base, uh, his second selection on the staff for third base coach was Phil Nevin. Now Brian Cashman fires Phil Nevin. Aaron Boone does not. And now we are seeing some conflicting things. So there's belief that, yeah, Boone might come back. Hal Steinbrenner doesn't blame him. However, apparently, according to reports from a, a variety of sources, uh, NJ.com's uh, Brendan Cuddy, uh, Lindsey Adler, and I think Buster Olney also commented on this, was that maybe Boone is not going to be keen on returning. Because will he enjoy the front office, quote, dictating his next round of assistant coaches? So that tells you Aaron Boone is not picking the staff. The front office will be picking the staff based on the reports. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but that's the messaging so far. So now now it's a little bit confusing because, yes, if you want to sit here, I know there's plenty of fans who who uh, we believe it to an extent. If you want to sit here and believe Aaron Boone is a puppet from the front off uh, for the front office, that's valid. A lot of the decision making would suggest that. However, do you think Boone is a big enough puppet to stay on his manager and then have nobody around him that was appointed by him? And he's the guy who's supposed to be leading the dugout. I I, I don't know. I, I really don't know about that. Um, and if he is, if he is okay with that, that's, that's an, in, that's a gigantic red flag for me.
1: It's so stop saying red flags. We said we weren't going to oh, talk about God, the Red Sox God today. It. Um, it's so funny. Um, it, it really makes you, it does call into question what you, what you think a puppet is and what you've been referring to when you've said puppet this entire time. Cause I think, you know, Aaron Boone is a puppet is a hilarious refrain. I thought in my mind Aaron Boone being a puppet meant he was an extension of the front office, that he had a vote, but not the overwhelming vote, and he was sort of just Brian Cashman's way to sneak into the dugout, and they were aligned. Uh, we talked to our friend Gabrielle Starr yesterday. Uh, we talked to her a lot. We like her. She's great, uh, even though the Red Sox suck, and she pointed out that uh, you know Alex Cora and Haim Bloom, Haim Bloom went into the rehiring of Alex Cora looking for a partner and found one, and Alex Cora is a great manager, and that's sort of why that ridiculous team has had all that success. I personally didn't think the Boone-Cashman partnership was really any different. I thought that was why you couldn't fire Cashman, because Boone was intrinsic to his tenure, because Cashman handpicked him as his voice in the, in the uh, locker room. That's what I thought a puppet meant, really, mm-hmm. up until this moment. Cashman feeds to Boone, Boone feeds to the team. But Boone isn't disagreeing with Cashman. If Boone were ever disagreeing with Cashman, I didn't think we would think of him as a puppet. Now I'm worried that the 2022 version of Aaron Boone could be a true puppet. And perhaps he has been this for a long time. If Cashman is going to be dictating his coaches for if Cashman is going to be firing Phil Nevin, his close friend, because Boone doesn't have the ability or wherewithal to do it himself. Maybe then we know nothing about Aaron Boone, the manager, because maybe everything we hate is Brian Cashman, the manager. There's no collaboration. It's, it's not a partnership. It's just Brian Cashman and his cohorts dictating, in which case all of the other questions arise. Will it really matter if Boone is the manager or not, as long as Cashman is still around? Are any of the things we hate really on Aaron Boone's shoulders at all? Does Aaron Boone make these pitching plans in any way? Does Aaron Boone make the lineups? If not, who's batting Rubenetto door second, because that's not the analytics team. And that's probably not Brian Cashman. And I don't really know who's doing any of this. So I would wager Boone is not flapping in the breeze. Boone has some authority, but does Boone even want to have authority if his coaches are being ripped away from him? Uh, I made this point in an article that's publishing on Friday. Is not having an angry guy really the problem with this team? Phil Nevin certainly was an angry guy. He brought motivational energy, and he's Boone's hand-picked angry guy. If you take him out and replace him with someone who is a coach who is just supposed to get mad in the locker room for show before Boone comes in and picks up the pieces and tells everyone it's all right, everyone is going to see through that. That is not genuine. There's nothing genuine about hiring someone to fume at the players just so Boone can come in and clean up the mess. Mm -hmm. Additionally the Yankees often looked unmotivated this year because they were losing. I guarantee you the team was motivated to win all 162 games they played. They did not have the roster for it, which is a Brian Cashman indictment. And they did not have the fundamentals nailed down, which is a coaching staff indictment. So if you get rid of Boone's anger coach, and keep Boone and keep some of the other instructors, then that's an indictment of the entire system. And it feels like a continuation getting rid of Tim's is at least an acknowledgement that there was a problem with the team's preparation, not the team's motivation. The anger coach thing feels like an entirely different ball of wax to me.
3: Yeah. I mean, you called it perfectly the the bad cop. Why can't, why can't Aaron Boone play both sides of the coin? Why can't he be your friend and also your disciplinarian? That's the- and
1: if he can't, why can't we get somebody else
3: who can? Exactly. Why are we, why are we jumping through hoops? Again, we don't know if this is true. This is all. This is all. This is all based on reports and leaks and buzz and what people are hearing. But why are we going to jump through hoops to keep Aaron Boone if he doesn't possess the necessary personality traits to elevate this roster or to maximize talent? or to do whatever, whatever it may be to get this team over the hump because 92 wins with this roster, I get it, we're a 91 team, it still feels good to have a winning record, but it's not what the expectation is. You don't have an assortment of all-stars, you don't have an assortment of the the highest paid players in the game, and end up tied with your division rivals who cheaped out on free agents, who lucked out with replacement-level players coming into... Uh, fill in the gaps left by Mookie Betts and others. It's a terrible look. That's that's all the indication you need. And look, you're going to watch it on full display here, guys. Alex Cora, in my opinion, has already managed this pre-ALCS perfectly. I'm not going to get into the details because I'm not talking about the Red Sox anymore. So mm-hmm. you're going to watch the ALCS. You're going to see the differences in how this man situates his roster, formulates the lineup, Executes his pitching changes, and it's all you need to know. Because a, a, a bad cop disciplinarian in the shadows in the Yankees dugout is not going to do that for Aaron Boone. You think Aaron Boone's going to make the call to the dugout, and then some lunatic's going to come behind him, rip the phone out of his hand, and smash it, and say, "No, that's the wrong decision, dude. We're not going with that." And Aaron Boone's going to listen? That's not how this works. He needs to have the he needs to have the instinct and the gumption himself to make these decisions that are tough. That that either. That, that that are that are put putting that have the Yankees in a bind and need to get them out of it or to have them avoid the bind altogether and that's what we haven't seen and that's the chief problem here
1: there's got to be something wrong i just like it, again maybe they prove me wrong maybe they hire a an offensive matt blake to revamp the hitting philosophy and that's the voice everybody needed to hear and that changes everything within the locker room that's great It's just such a wild endorsement of uh, the whole Aaron Boone saga that he's sort of the only untouchable. And you're going to stick him with people he doesn't know or doesn't agree with. To implement their philosophies, what's going to happen if the hitting coach? I mean, there was supposedly a disconnect between Marcus Timms and the minor league hitting coaches. Um, And I personally side with the minor league hitting coaches strategically here because they got the minor league players to bash the baseball at every level Mm -hmm. this year. Um, Eli Fishman, who's our favorite like thirteen year old minor league reporter, uh, shout out—he's the best—tweeted about how the Yankees' minor league philosophy is just pound strikes, which is what the Red Sox do so well. Look for your pitch. Destroy it, whether it involves working the count to get your pitch or not. Foul off anything you don't want when you see what you want, crush it. And the Yankees offense crushed it. at single A, double A, and triple A. So if we're moving closer to implementing that philosophy or bringing on some of those people who are necessary in creating that strategy and replacing Marcus Timms, that's great. Um, and that could, that could pay huge dividends. But I do, I can't ignore... And maybe I'm insane and maybe I'm looking too far into the flag conspiracy theories and I'm Mr. Conspiracy Theory guy this year. But doesn't it almost kind of feel like if there is this disconnect between Boone and the front office, if we're moving closer to Cashman dictating his entire staff, do you think they're trying to get him to leave of his own accord so that they don't have to have the embarrassment of letting him go at the end of the contract? It's somewhat realistic. It also is ridiculous because of what I just said. His contract is up. You just don't have to extend him. You can just walk away quietly, and Aaron Boone could be the Cleveland Guardians bench coach next year. But apparently, you know, it's it's worth at least wondering whether or not they're trying to get Boone to say, I'm out, rather than letting him go.
3: It's possible. That's, what, that's seemingly what the Yankees would would like to do. Like we said, they they want to prove that they're right at all times. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to make the tough decisions. They want, they, they, they want it to, what, God, why is this happening now? I just, there, there is a situation about, there was a situation like this within the last few years where like the front office just like, didn't well, I mean, DD Gregorius is one, I guess we could we could go back to that. Like they just didn't do anything. They just let DD Gregorius go. And then he started bad mouthing the team and then it's like, Whoa, like, Oh, look how bad DD Gregorius looks because like, he's mad at us for us. Like, you know, going forth with our plan. So
1: maybe Garcia, this- Jay Hap. Yeah. You Just Jay Hap at- being like, Just I did not with- want to be a reliever and the Yankees yeah. front office not being available to answer questions and yeah. Hap having to be like, didn't agree with it at all, but I did it anyway. Yeah. Like, so okay, I, well, I,
3: I, do I entirely think, uh, do I know this is the organization's motivation? No, but based on prior evidence and behavior and outcomes with various other situations. Yeah, I don't, I don't, That's that's not out of the question for them to, to, for them to very much be hands off in dealing with whatever happens next with with their manager of the last four years, um, and I think those previous situations are a perfect example. I I, I couldn't agree more.
1: Yikes! Um, well, let's end it to break. Uh, and when we come back, we can talk about the Cardinal shaking everything up. Uh, the we we uh, I mean I'm not going to speak for you. I don't think. Aaron Boone is going to get a managerial job next year if he is not the New York Yankees manager. But the San Diego Padres, they're open. They've been open for a while. That's a high profile. That's almost exactly like the Yankees of the West Coast in terms of disappointing us all. And on the in the Central, we've got the St. Louis Cardinals wide open. I'm less interested in Boone taking that job than I am about Mike and what it means and what the philosophical differences could have been in. Could he be in the Yankees' locker room? So stick around. We'll be right back. You're the one who protects the flock, and that
3: requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you. And all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it
1: done. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. So, so yeah, St. Louis Cardinals manager Mike Schilt is now gone. Um, Every answer that was given about Schilt from the front office was strange. Uh, They made it very clear that uh, there was a philosophical difference between uh, whatever Schilt was asked to execute and whatever he wanted to do. He is Sort of, from a from a distance, I'm not in St. Louis, I don't read the post-dispatch every day, um, I don't go to Bob Bragg's home and ask him to break it down for me, but it sort of seemed like Schilt was a perfect blend of old school and new school. Mm-hmm. He had the, I mean, you watch him in the the video that Randy Rosarena posted in the locker room. After they won the 2019 NLDS and destroyed the Braves, Schilt's basically giving the motivational speech of a lifetime. We're not fucking losing, dropping S-bombs and F-bombs everywhere, and ultimately Rosarena maybe got traded for leaking that, so that's embarrassing. But Schilt, with the doors closed, supposedly, is sort of your classic old-school baseball man. But by all accounts, he was a rising star in the system. He was able to run whatever the Cardinals wanted to execute. The Cardinals always performed at the same level, Year in, year out, they made the playoffs after having almost no chance of doing so this year. Took a 17-game winning streak, and he had that team vibing. Made the playoffs in 2020, made the NLCS in 2019 with a weird veteran-laden but rookie-inclusive group. Tommy Edmond becomes a star in 2019. They're welcoming new players into the fold and saying goodbye to others. You know, Matt uh, Carpenter basically doesn't even play this year. Because um, mm-hmm. he can't hit, because his career's over, and they find a way to deal with that. They've got underperformers like you, like Matt Carpenter, links DJ LeMahieu, look like Juan Soto this year, and they found a way to de-emphasize him and figure out how to build from within. Suddenly, they have a different shortstop entirely, and again, they're winning seventeen games. So, from the outside looking in, I feel like Schilt is perfect. But uh, knowing what I know about the Yankees front office and the fact that they're clearly clashing with Aaron Boone philosophically because he's not lined up with whatever they want to implement. I don't think that Schilt is the kind of guy who's going to look at the open Yankees job and the Yankees aren't going to look at him. Neither party is going to be like, this guy just left St. Louis because he wouldn't implement what the front office wanted him to. Let's bring him to New York where the front office clearly wants full control over what the manager is going to do. So I don't, I think it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I think it's like, I think it's what people think a buck showalter hire would be right. Like he is definitely like probably five or six years past what you think You know that I love Buck Showalter, but I think when people are talking about blending old and new school, they 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 say Buck Showalter, but they really mean Mike Schiltz. I just don't think if he was unable to agree with the Cardinals front office, I don't think he's going to agree with what we've got over here. I agree, uh, sadly,
3: because um, I did do some digging on this yesterday because you assume nowadays most front offices are analytically driven or at least have an analytical department where there is some trickle down information that the manager has to abide by or adhere to. Um, and in 2019, uh, which was Schilt's first year at a full year as the manager, he took over, um, and had, I think almost 70 games, uh, with the cards in 2018, um, had a winning record, won 41, yeah, 69 games, won 41 and 28, um, And uh, you look at the fact that they overhauled their entire front office to be more analytically driven and you do get the, and I agree with you. He does appear to be more old school. We don't have enough. I don't think we have enough of a track record on Mike Schilt. He's only been manager for two full seasons, a shortened 60 game season, which was kind of bullshit. Um, And then his half season in 2018. So I don't think we have enough of a track record to, Dean, Mike Schilt and a new school and uh, analytical manager or an old school guy. But based on the way he talks in post games, he's very thorough. Uh, he's very candid. He's very honest. He strikes me as an old school guy who certainly is willing, open minded dude, willing to blend analytics in there. So I think that that might have been the philosophical difference. Again, I don't know. But just based on the, the, the readings that I, I decided to uh, partake in and, and look through, it seems like the Cardinals front office is going in that analytical direction or want to more so. Um, and Mike Schultz was not into that. And guess what? I think that that's probably right for him because you look at a team like the Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill has blossomed under Mike Schultz's watch. Daniel Carlson has come along on Mike Schultz's watch. Mike Schultz has made something out of nothing with this starting rotation and with this bullpen. I understand that Adam Wainwright's renaissance this year uh, and uh, very good 2019 played a role in that, but that's only one pitcher. Jack Flaherty hasn't been the same. for. Well, he was injured this year, right? He had an elbow yes. injury or something. So, Extremely injured. Yeah. Carlos he,
1: Martinez did not agree with no. Mike Schilt, for sure.
3: Yes. Um, so you look at what Aaron Boone cannot say, as a manager, is that he's been able to do more with less because he has not been able to do more with more. Mike Schilt has done more with less. You look at the 2021 Cardinals roster, it's really like not anything special. It, it, it's it's not. You look at the starting rotation, this team needs starters. They, they don't have them. Adam Wainwright, Quang Hun, Hun Kim, Carlos Martinez, Jack Flaherty, John Gant, Johan Oviedo, those have all been... Part to only one person made thirty starts this year or more, and it was Adam Wainwright. So he pieced together a rotation where he had six starters, people in part-time duty, people coming, at, people doing the raise part-time bullpen bullshit. They had John Lester, obviously. They went out and they got Jay Happ, two not great options. Lester four three six ERA, Happ a perennial four five ERA pitcher. Jake Woodford ended up stepping into this rotation. Oh, and- great. Yeah, he was he was fine. Uh, They lost Miles Michaelis for the year and the bullpen. Not good. They brought in Alex Reyes. I know Alex Reyes is like the Chad Green. Like you look at his numbers and you're like, hey, not really bad. But it's like (laughs) you bring Alex Reyes in in the ninth inning against the Dodgers. You're like, fuck, what are we doing here, man? Why is this happening? Um, He had okay numbers on the surface. Three, two, four ERA and one one, three, five whip. Not the greatest. Also not awful. But Cardinals fans know you watch that guy pitch. It's really not comforting. Um, so look at what he's done. They won. They they were out of the playoff picture by what, like seven games in the beginning of September. They win se- 17 in a row. That's the managerial impact, especially So you could look back at the Yankees and be like, Oh, well the Yankees won 13 in a row with Aaron Boone at them. the Yankees won 13 in a row with an all-star team. They're an all-star team. They should be an all-star team. The Cardinals are not an all-star team. They have an I- Yachty I guess is fine aging player not entirely what you need a good leader yes Uh, a good hitter okay 250 with a 667 OPS nothing special Paul Goldschmidt I like Paul Goldschmidt a lot really wasn't great until the last two months of the season they weathered a storm of Paul Goldschmidt not being great and Nolan Arenado really not being great he had 255 with an 807 OPS that's not Nolan Arenado they wrote a Tyler O'Neill career season where now uh, apparently it's egregious to trade Tyler O'Neill after he had one good season. We, we had that article earlier this, this uh, over the last few months too. And Harrison Bader been a great center fielder for them. Totally adequate. 267, 785 OPS. I mentioned Carlson before all these guys at 16 or more home runs. So not a star studded lineup by any means. And Mike Schilt was able to captain a 17 game winning streak. To get this team back into the playoffs and to put pressure on the Brewers in the last like eight days of the season. That's managerial impact to me. um, And that's where the motivation factor comes in for me. I don't think the, I think, do I think Aaron Boone's never responsible for any of the Yankees success? No. But I don't think he's responsible for this team going 33 and 11 over 44 games. I just think that's the Yankees being like, yeah, we're going to hit the ball now because that's what we should Hmm. be doing the entire time. The Yankees starting rotation overachieved this year. That had nothing to do with Aaron Boone. The losses had to do with Aaron Boone with bad bullpen management. There was a lot more bad bullpen management than there was good bullpen management. Again, coming from two guys who were doing a Yankees podcast and don't have any experience managing a bullpen. But I think a lot of fans can sit there and say that there's been more Bad than good from Aaron Boone from uh do uh, I need to save this team perspective in this given moment. And I look at Mike Schilt and his very, very small, uh, very short track record with what he's had to work with. And I think the results have been fairly great. I know they played in a weekend all central. That's a con there. You're not really battling. But guess what? you're kind of battling because your roster is not that great. And you're battling other rosters that are like similar or a little bit better than you. So yeah, they're, they're inferior in a sense. And I think he exceeded expectations with them. So uh, it's not a match because I think that there will be, if there's pushback with the Cardinals, there's going to be pushback with the Yankees. And I don't think the Yankees want that based on what we've seen with the Girardi dismissal and now with whatever's going on with Aaron Boone. So sadly, but then again, the Yankees were not expecting, a managerial candidate like this to pop onto the market. I I think we could agree with that. So maybe there's a little bit of a silver lining there where you're like, eh, maybe they could change their mind, but uh, ultimately, no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Yankees 13 game winning streak. I don't want to discount it just because, um, I mean, obviously it is, it is a team of all-stars doing what they were supposed to do the entire time. The opponents, though, are not pathetic. I kind of went into this being like, was that 13-game winning streak overblown because it was just a bunch of losers? Not really. On the road at the White Sox twice. Two hard-fought wins. Come back, play the Angels. Don't get a day off. The Angels are the Angels. Whatever. Beat the Red Sox three times in two days. Beat the Twins three times. The Twins are the Twins. Go to Atlanta. Beat the beat the Braves twice, who were the hottest team in baseball at that point, And are now in the NLCS and have the pitching to match. Beat Oakland on the road twice. Oakland was arguably hot at that point and is no longer and as flamed out of the postseason. But it did take a lot of work. That, that was an impressive yeah. run from Aaron Boone's boys. Um, but it was sort of, it was a needed run to uh, account for all this stuff. I wrote about Cody Bellinger undoing his negative war last night by mm-hmm. giving the Dodgers a win. Um, so Aaron Boone winning that 13 games in a row was like undoing all the negative war he had provided earlier in the season to get him back to some zero. It wasn't really like terribly impressive. Cody Bellinger had negative 1.54 this year and then won a game. Uh, above two, really, I, I would say yeah.
3: two. He won game two, in my opinion.
1: All right, so then Cody Bellinger's up to, to two wars, so it's yeah. so a good for, well, one, that. one war. So, yeah, good one, for Cody one, Bellinger. One. that's yeah. great. Um, I don't know, I'm excited. I am excited about the weird direction the Yankees are taking. Um, I, I can't help it. I'm a Yankee fan. I was ready to be angry when the offseason began. Obviously, I'm hearing rumblings, I don't believe in anything until it actually occurs. But the dismissal of Tim's and the dismissal of Nevin uh, leads me to believe that there are actual changes being made. And if you are the type of busybody jerkwad who disagrees with the Matt Blake hire and thinks Matt Blake hasn't done anything to help the Yankees, so far, they had the top ERA in the American League with them. I mean, you can look at the names and be angry that the Yankees, quote unquote, don't have enough pitching to get through XYZ. But they did. And all year long, the pitching performed and Cole was good until he got hurt. And Esther Cortez was amazing. And Jordan Montgomery was great. And Luis Heal was great. And every reliever who learned a change up was great. And I think it's important to note that getting an offensive Matt Blake does not seem like a bad thing because whether you liked the names Matt Blake was working with or not, you can't deny that they did have enough pitching to win the World Series this Absolutely. year. They if did. you could have added a bona fide number two, maybe that's healthy jameson Tyone. There was enough pitching there to finish the job. The offense didn't show up all year long. So if you can get somebody who's as smart as Matt Blake and who runs an offense, then you could potentially match up the offense and defense. If that pitching staff was in place for 2019. The Yankees win the 2019 World Series,
3: probably. And you want I I have a fucking question to ask. If the Ooh. offense, if the offense is actually performing in the first half, not 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 blowing teams out, you know, fifteen to three, not to, if they're just if they're averaging five six runs a game. What's the what's the MLB average for runs per game? And where should the MLB average runs per game? I'll search it right now. I where like people who are around five? Yeah, is that, that's that's what, so? If the Yankees are averaging, let's see team rankings here. Very good. Okay, so Houston led the league with five point three nine runs per game. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. So let's be conservative here. Let's say the Yankees were sixth place in the league behind Houston, Tampa Bay, five point two eight, Toronto, five point two two, Boston, five point one six, Dodgers, five point oh seven. Fuck it. Let's say the, let's say the Yankees were below the white. Sox. let's say the Yankees average 4.75 runs per game at the trade deadline. Do you think they go out and get a bonafide? They were, they averaged 4.37 on the season, by the way, which is good for 19th in the entire league. Horrible. If they, if they are averaging anywhere above four and a half runs per game at the deadline, Do you think they go out and just say, fuck it, we're getting a number two starter and we're we're going for the jugular? Because I think because they they wasted all their energy at the trade deadline, trying to balance the lineup, trying to get more offense. And while, yes, it ended up being okay because Anthony Rizzo was was very much good on defense and saved us in that manner. But if the offense just did what it was supposed to do, like to like maybe uh, uh. 75% 75% of their capacity, I think that alters the entire philosophy around the trade deadline. And then you're talking about, all right, let's just beef up the starting rotation and fucking go for it. And then we have depth top to bottom and nobody can really touch us. Great. I th- I think that's, that's something we have to consider about how really off the rails this season went.
1: I agree. And the saddest part about the pitching discussion in the playoff picture is the Dodgers excluded. They have, you know, they lost aces and still have Urias mm-hmm. and Scherzer and uh Walker Bueller and, and Gonsolin and Kershaw's not even there. And obviously he, who must not be named sexually assaulted his way off the roster, but like they've lost more aces than we've ever had. And they still yeah. have a ridiculous rotation, but you look at the American league pitching, the white Sox had the best rotation in the American league playoff field outside of the mm-hmm. Yankees. But they, you know, Lance Lynn has gotten historically owned by the Astros, and it happened again, and so they're gone, and that is what it is. The Astros have a funky collection of weirdos who were great in the playoffs last year and might be great again against the Red Sox. I don't know, but it's a bunch of weird dudes: Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy. It's a bunch of threes and fours who've shown postseason medal, and they might beat the Red Sox, and I don't know. Uh, They are definitely a bunch of weirdos, um, and you know, not particularly good aesthetically. Chris Sale's been bad. Nathan valdi has been amazing. Everybody behind them is hard met. There's no pitching in that series, really, that makes you drop your jaw and go, amazing. The Rays' stupid guys making their sixth career start all failed at Fenway Park because it's hard to pitch in playoff games at Fenway Park. There is. I look at the American League rosters in the postseason and there is no pitching there whatsoever. Oh. There's, at best, B-minus rotations. It's kind of crazy. to. Th- is there is Is there pitching in the American League? Did the American League remember to acquire pitching this year? The Red, Red Sox Astros looks like a bunch of 9-7 games. The Red Sox Astros, here we go. Uh, I won't even talk about it, but the Astros are going to win one of these games 12-5. The Red Sox are going to win one of these games 13-3. And all the rest of the games are going to be 9-6, 6-5, 5-4, 8-9. That's what we're left with. The Yankees have the best pitching in the American League playoff field. They really did, even without mm-hmm. a number 2 starter, and yeah. even without James Tyone. And so it does make you think that if the offense had even been league average, I mean, league average isn't going to win you a title, but slightly above league average will with that pitching staff and with the rest of the American League pitching staffs, and they just couldn't get it done.
3: I don't get it. I really don't. You we got a new it. hitting
1: coach. We yeah. got a new hitting coach. It's it's. I don't know who it is. It, it, somebody said the best move was replacing Tims or whatever. We haven't replaced him yet, so you can't say it's the best move, yeah. but ditching ditching tims is already a, a bona fide positive uh, let's see who's stepping into his shoes uh if it's somebody weird uh i reserve judgment but if it's like robert vince goyak like the hitting guru who got jd martinez on track the dodgers guy let's let's get somebody like that there are gurus floating around uh the red sox hitting coaches stats since 2018 are goddamn crazy they're first in everything They're first in all offensive categories and hitting with wrist and hitting with two outs. Like I'm not asking for the Yankees to be first in every category, but it's possible because the Red Sox are. So find yourself a guy who can ignite the lineup like that. That's all I ask. Tough task, obviously, yes. But it's now part of the offseason docket. Add it to the moves, add it to the signings, add it to deciding between Corey Seager and Anthony Volpe you now have to find someone to revamp your entire hitting approach hopefully it's somebody who just elevates whatever is working in the minors to the big league level they say there was a disconnect i'm inclined to agree that is it for this Friday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer your questions. And odds are not low that there will be new Aaron Boone news by the time you hear from us next on Monday. I would not rule it out. Until next time, I am Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb.
3: And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Um, respect my privacy. I will not be talking about the Red Sox. We can talk Yanks all you want. Uh, hit us up on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at FS. Everybody was super pissed there about my Matt Olson trade packages. Keep it coming, dude. Keep it coming. I love it. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. You can read those really bad articles that you definitely hate. Uh, we got plenty of stuff there. Updates on the coaching staff. Uh, updates on some non- uh, potential non-tender candidates. A lot of stuff to discuss. Uh, season is officially coming to an end in two-ish weeks. So. Some decisions will be made. People will hit the open market. It's going to be a lot of speculation. Next time we'll talk to you folks. We'll be on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great time.
1: Yeah, it's my birthday. On Sunday, I will not be watching these Red Sox-Astros games. That's just not going to happen. Um, Yeah. Good night and God bless if you're watching the ALCS. Uh, Go Astros very quietly. But remember, no matter who wins between Red Sox-Astros, somebody's got to lose. See you on Monday.